Welcome to Extra Points. Now here's your host, Cousin Sal, and his good, good pals, Dave Damashek and Martin Weiss. All right, welcome to the Extra Points Podcast, part of the Extra Points Podcast Network. Cousin Sal coming to you on a Monday morning. Yeah, spaghetti and meatballs. Newly 24-year-old Mikey Meatballs are here fiddling with the knobs. Baby face Joel Solomon producing this mess and joining me as always, my dear, dear pal, Dave Damashek. Back from Pittsburgh, Martin Weiss will be joining us shortly. And then Sheck, then Adam Carolla. You remember him. You worked with him. I do. Yeah, right? he, he sounds, people say he, he kind of sounds like me. Nevertheless, he's gone on to great heights in the entertainment weird voice. industry. Yeah, yeah. 24 weird, weird years voice. of age is Mikey Meatballs. That's all he is. Sweet Can Jesus. you believe it? I got to say, I am I was uh, upset by that when he told me. I was like, oh, my God, you're only 24. My, how does that happen? You have all your life ahead. The rest of us are 30, 40, 50. God forbid we're approaching uh, 60 at some point. And then I'm like, well, if he's older, that just makes me older. So what the what am I rooting against here this is stupid right if he was 33 how why would i feel good about that i'd be uh it I'm, is, I'm pushing a walker around the the it is strange the cognitive dissonance between like normal people like mikey meatballs versus yeah. professional athletes who we watch and we hold to this impossibly high standard and by the way these guys have set aside the books to some mm-hmm. degree, to focus on their physical deeds, and yet we expect them to be flawless people. Mikey Meatballs. The point is, shape up. You know, we got we need a better version of you going forward. <laughs> while we while we see Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Hockey moving across the country, and we question their decision making ability, um, and all these professional well, athletes. Go ahead. Uh- uh, no, I'll tell you this. Uh, we, we took him out for dinner last night. You were missed. And um, Spaghetti says, oh, 24, that's the best year. He says, that's the best year. And then, uh, and then I stopped listening. But Spaghetti, why was 24 the best year? No, I said 24 is just a great age to oh, turn because. You said it was your best year, right? I, I, I think it's yeah. the first year because you're, you, you've, by then you've worked a few years. People take you seriously. Like you're in that mm-hmm. good mixture of level of like you're still very young, but you have like enough of like a, an adult life on your resume where older folks take you seriously and you're, you seem more of like a young man. You're not just like a kid anymore. So 24 is like the first step into that. So congrats me lost gotcha dave do you remember taking spaghetti seriously as a 24 year old did you know him back then you must have known him right? <laughs> six I years think ago so. probably that's right around when i would have uh when i would have met a young still uh not even al dente spaghetti um yeah. yeah i think that probably would have been the year that i met him maybe that's why he associates it as his greatest year that's when he all right Oh, because oh, you. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Subconsciously, I, maybe that's it. Um, hey, I spent the weekend in uh, Arizona. So my my son, my middle yeah, son. What the Jack, hell was little... this about? What the hell was this? <laughs> well, about? I'll tell I you. I had what. no idea until I saw photographs on social media, and I could not make sense of. Wait, why is why is Sal in northern Arizona right now? <laughs> I'll let you know, but you, I think you do know already. So my middle son, Jack, he's a mixer like me, and so he goes against the grain. And so while the whole family here roots for the Cowboys, he roots for the Steelers and bases it basically on his love of Heinz ketchup, which now he has to reconsider. He's really, really distraught over this whole thing, really throws his, uh, his whole rooting interest into a tailspin. But... Uh, Beyond that, he also follows this IFL, this indoor football league, basically because the rest of us don't. And for years now, uh, our friend Harry has been on board with it because uh, 
Jack has an infatuation with the Arizona teams. Somehow there are like six Arizona teams in this IFL. And so I guess for years I've been promising him we'd go to a playoff game. Yes, yes, yes. Look at July 23rd on the calendar. It's like, all right, we have to go to a playoff game. Like, oh, crap. So we head out there, Prescott Valley, Arizona. Not sure if you've ever been, Sheck, but uh, it's about 80 miles north of um, Scottsdale, Phoenix, right there. And we watched the Sugar Skulls and Wranglers, 4930. And that place is, um, let's just say the night before, Trump did a a rally at the actual arena, the Toyota, the Finley Toyota Arena. So um, these fans... I think we were the only ones vaccinated in the whole place, but it was, it was, fun. you know, th- th- these are, um, these people are baking apple pies, loading their shotguns in the back of their Dodge Durango's like pregame in the parking lot, basically. But, uh, uh the sugar skulls tells me everything I need to know. Thing, right. Yeah. They came up short 49 30 Wranglers win in advance uh, to well, the at least They got the cool round. name. There was a good moment, though, like I tell you, a really pro-American crowd. But the way they set this up is it was a long field goal attempt by the Wranglers. The, the, it hits the American flag and falls through. And we'll be talking to Adam Carolla uh, about uh, goalposts and such. Um, it hits the American flag and falls through. And I think the crowd was torn because it's points for the Wranglers. But it, it, you're you're cheering the ball hitting of the American flag, right? Which is, in some people's mind, the symbol of our country. It's very weird. Very weird. Yeah, that's. I, I. What what are we supposed to take away from that? That maybe football is the new, uh, is the new religion, right? Is that that that's oh, what we should yeah, all yeah, rally yeah. around? Right. I don't know. I'm trying United to make States it okay that it happened. United right. States of indoor football. Uh, anyway, they do it nice there. There's like 4,000 people on hand. You get to go on the field afterwards. It's fun. Uh, good time. Uh, had I mean, good there. dadding by you to reward your boy like that. But that yeah. why Harry was there is I, yeah. I'm not exactly sure <laughs> what role he played in the I'm never, in the ever sure. Yeah, never sure. Yeah, I had a good week. But lovely. The, the home run derby and then this. Like, give me. I need a month off from uh, fatherhood at this point. Good Go for ahead, you. Ultimately, though, you're you're going to give it a thumbs up. The experience, indoor football, still viable think so. in the year of the Lord 2022. Huh? Yeah, sure. Why not? Sure. Okay. We weren't able to bet it. That's a bummer. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you can go on these sites and you could bet like um, uh, these three-on-three basketball tournaments that you could basically watch. It. But uh, it, this this seems more regulated and you couldn't bet it. That's That was the most upsetting thing. Uh, to me, of the weekend. But uh, yeah, Wranglers advance, so there you go. But I check. wonder if, yeah. I, I, it feels to me like we're in a moment where there are all these newfangled versions mm-hmm. of sports that we know, as you mentioned, three-on-three hockey is now a thing, three-on-three basketball has been a thing, um, indoor football has been a thing for now, what, 30, 40 years even? Oh, yeah. That's hard to believe. Wonder if any of these will be around in 20 years. And by the way, the XFL hmm. unveiled its schedule for its coaches, at least, right. for next year. I wonder if USFL is going to be. I wonder if any of them will still be going. It's an interesting talk about a long-term bet. I'd love to hear what, you, what you're what yeah, you willing to I lay down I some loot know. on. I'm not sure because it's, it's very uh, – the XFL seems like a big uh, – not com- – uh, competing with the NFL because it's off season, right? But it's still a big endeavor, right? Uh, to get a lot of money behind it. More of a chance to fail while, while these IFLs, these indoor football leagues, you know, 5,000 fans are paying these players nothing, you know? Well, and, that's uh, the I thing. The, the live tour, yeah. the live tour I don't support morally, but mm-hmm. they're smart at least doing what everybody should be doing, which is like, we'll pay you more than the, than the, uh, 
than the big kid on the block. And that will right. bring some like just if you're one, if you're the XFL, just make your thing. Who's who's the biggest free agent in the NFL or who's which college athlete is about to come out right now? Like if you had Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis on your yeah. roster, you'd be like, hmm, interesting. Want to see what this kid does? That's that's how the the AFL made it because of Joe Namath specifically. Yeah, they, they got him and that was it. Get the Ocho Cinco's and the Terrell Owens and right. the Johnny Footballs in there. At least one of those. I think that's where the USFL failed. Um, can we call that right. a failure? I don't know. I couldn't even tell you who won the, the whole thing. But anyway, Shaq, the NFL. Mm. Well, let's, what I want to know is, I mean, you're the uniformant. Let, let's hear the music for the uniformant. Do we have that handy? Bring you down a check. The uniformant. Bring you down a check. The uniformant. Bring you down a check. The uniformant. Bring you down a check. The all right. There you go. All right. That's nice. That's nice. a good setup. Shaq, you are all things uniformed. You mm-hmm. worry about this more than like the talent on the field, really. What's yes. aesthetic? I get it. You're watching this for three hours. You want it to be pleasant to the eye. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the changes now in the NFL, they're going the wrong way. I don't know who's behind this. You need to be behind this. I think we're on the same page with this new Bears trend. What have they done this Bears uniform, and as you point out, Roquan Smith is the uh, is the face of this, and he doesn't even look happy displaying this new uniform and helmet and everything. No, indeed. Take a look at the photos that the Bears on purpose shared the social media of one of their stars, Roquan Smith, wearing the uniform, and he seems not disinterested. He seems downright miffed that he's the one who had <laughs> to put this thing on first. It's the upset of the offseason in pro football. Oh. I have belly ached for many moons. I've asked a lot of professional football players, what would you do to your team's uniform specifically to jazz it up a little bit? Ever since the Oregon Ducks happened, this has been an emerging trend, of course. And I've asked NFLers, what would you do to your teams? And they, without fail, without fail, they say, oh, I'd like to go head to toe black. Oh, that's clean looking. Oh, I love how that mm. Oh, that's smooth looking. I'd like... But if everybody does it, then then who's the, then what then what are we even talking about? Everybody's doing it again. I have to go back to what Syndrome, the bad guy in The Incredible, says: When mm. everyone's super, no one is. If everybody's wearing head to toe black, then what's cool about it? What's intimidating about it? Answer: Nothing. And as bad as the Arizona Cardinals and the mm-hmm. uh, New York Jets and whoever those uh, Eagles, everybody wear. Oh, look, we got a black helmet. So what? Now everybody's got a black helmet. So what's that? What, what does that do? Even worse, improbably, almost impossibly, the Bears and the Texans are even worse with their... The Chicago Bears are wearing orange hats and orange jerseys. Uh, What happened to Syracuse? Right. And some people said, well, it's the Illinois Bears. I'm like, I don't know. Not quite that. But it really looked like they're ripping off the Bengals. And with the C in there, I'm like, oh, I don't think they'll wear them if they play the Bengals. First of all, it's only going to be a a, a couple of times a year, right? This is not their uniforms. Or is this this it? I I can't. I couldn't even read in the article. No, it's going to be a couple of times a year. And then what's, what's the worst thing of all is that the Arizona Cardinals unveiled that they're going to wear a black hat yeah. and 
the majority of people react positively to this. This is an I atrocity. hate to say, I you thought know? it looked sharp. I thought it looked, I don't like the all black uniforms and well, the, I, I thought the Arizona helmet looked sharp. Uh, also the all black uniforms, the players can be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on when you're playing uh, a September game and at uh, SoFi, you're going to roast, right? Uh, it's probably going to affect your uh, uh, performance. Tactically a poor decision, aesthetically yeah. poor. I am right. thumbs down on it across the board. But as I say, even worse what the Chicago Bears have done. You know who can really, um, uh, one one guy with whom I park my car, my car in the same garage on mm -hmm. pretty much all things uniform, mm -hmm. Adam Carolla. Oh, well, he's here. This is great. Oh, my goodness. He's here in the, yes, he's here in the waiting room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Serendipity. Mr. Serendipity. Let's bring him in right now. Yes, he's here. All right, let's bring in our guest. He's one of the best long snappers in the history of Los Angeles high school football. Went on, become a New York Times bestselling author. His new book, Everything Reminds Me of Something, Advice, Answers, But No Apologies, is out right now. The man behind Mangria. Let's give a big Ziggy Saki to the ace man. Get it on. Adam Carolla is here. What's happening, Ace? Thanks for having me, guys. Well, it's great having you. You know, I read your whole book. I loved it. I was delayed in Phoenix, and uh, I had a Southwest flight, and I was like, I'm going to read this whole goddamn thing. Uh, I was delayed an hour and a half, and then on the flight. By the way, real quick, I think you'll appreciate this take. When you have the Southwest flights, right, no assigned seating, I grab the aisle seat, and I pray for a very fat person to take the window seat. Whereas you don't want them sitting next to you. You definitely are rooting for them to have the window seat because then maybe the middle doesn't get filled. Is that, and I was mm. correct in my uh, assessment. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, no, that that's a brilliant strategy. If the okay. plane is 100% full, then you're, you're kind of screwed with yeah, the fat guy on the window seat because it's going to push the humanity your direction but if you're anywhere under 100 percent, no one's going to want to sit in that right. seat although you have to ask yourself when you're walking down the aisle is somebody thinking how you're thinking and are you the fat guy in their scenario you son of a bitch <laughs> wow I, I, i'm not saying you are i'm saying you I have to think about it. So you're saying nobody sat in the middle seat because they didn't want to sit next to fat me. Oh, man. Oh, I can't believe this. But we, but listen, the, the no. window, it, and as I've matured, I used to want the aisle to have control of the row or the yeah. half row. But the window is where it's at because I would rather inconvenience the guy on the aisle as I have to go make water and jump past him yeah. versus him inconvenience. I don't know where I am in the movie or otherwise when this guy next to me has to make his water and interrupt me and I have to take the things out and get up, put the put the flap up and get up from my seat and everything. I'd rather do that to him. Correct, Ace, or no? I agree with that. I also think that we are kind of at a inflection point in our society, which is people keep getting bigger and plane seats keep getting smaller. Right. So imagine <laughs> like, like, look at it this way. <laughs> plane seats. All right. So automotive manufacturers have figured this out. We keep getting bigger, but the cars keep getting bigger, too. So now you see these big tubular families cruising along in their huge SUVs, Suburbans, Denali's. You know, they they have made the cage bigger for the hamster. But 
planes don't do that. They keep getting smaller, trying to get more tickets and more humanity on the plane. But we keep getting larger. And imagine, like, picture one of those 60s sports cars and Austin, Healy, MG, Triumph, you know, those little two seaters. Imagine two huge dudes you'd see on a (laughs) Southwest flight sporting around in a Triumph Spitfire from 1964. It would be ridiculous, but that's essentially what we're doing to ourselves. That's why the McGuire twins of uh, of uh, Guinness Book of World Record fame, they rode a motorcycle. They they were smart. They're like, uh, we don't have to worry about any of this crap, right? They were <laughs> that's, over 450 right. pounds each. Yeah, I think that makes sense. <laughs> that's right. I like so, that you know their names, Sal. That's pretty yeah, yeah. pretty good uh, bit well, of trivia there. Yeah, I mean, I've hung with them a, a bunch uh, before their demise. I think they, <laughs> uh, they outlived their expectancy by 15 years or, or so. Hey, I want to ask, and this I, I don't want this to come across as an insult, but this is book number... Six for you or seven? Yes. Well, seven. The first book I, I wrote was with Dr. Drew and myself. So Gotcha. Okay. It's sort of six and a half. All right. So six and a half. I want to set up a ratio for books written versus books read. And I think you're on oh, top man. worldwide. <laughs> I think you have the best. I don't want to say ratio because like... Snooky probably read or she wrote a book and read zero. Right. So that's your there's a one to zero. But if you do a plus minus, I'd have to say you're probably plus four in terms of books read versus books written. Am I right? Well, I mean, we can do it. It's not going to take long. Okay. We have uh, we have my six books. Right. Six and a half books versus the Phantom Toll Booth which I read in 1977. Right. And then we have Nobody Gets Out of Here Alive, the Jim Morrison Doors book I read in 1992. So that's it. So we got two versus six and a half. Plus plus four four and a half. half. Okay, I like that. I don't think that's top, Shaq. What do you think? I think that's that's a good number if we asked a lot of people. I didn't. I, I wasn't aware that he'd read uh, the the other books that he mentioned there. Plus the good book, of course. Ace Ace never goes anywhere. That's oh, that's, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's his first move in any hotel room is to make sure he's got the good book filed uh, near his uh, room. Well, we're also there. yeah, we're also not counting the books he's read to put his kids to sleep uh, right at night. Oh yeah, I guess we are. We are right. It's, <laughs> Ace, what do you make of speaking of father and what do you think of Sal's move over the weekend? He took his middle boy plus Harry. Um, for unexplained reasons why Harry was a part of the family trip, but uh, to go and see an indoor um, football game. Yeah, playoff, playoff game. Yeah, playoff game, I'm sorry. In in Arizona, yeah, Northern Arizona, yeah. I I think in a way, younger people could enjoy an indoor football game, or do we call it arena football? I don't know what we're calling it these days, but definitely might enjoy it more than even a full scale NFL game, just because it's smart, you know, it's smaller, it's faster, it's a little more intense. I, I'm guessing, Sal, you're closer to the action, guys. Very are close. Going and, and, up you know, against we, the boards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, we had second row seats for like 40 bucks and r- really no, there are no bad seats in the house. Cause there's about 3000. Uh, it, it holds like 3000. And like you said, for also, if you catch a ball, if a, if a ball, you know, if a quarterback throws it wide, you get to keep it. 
So that's wow. fun too. One dropped in our section. We didn't get it, but I mean, uh, it's like home run derby for, for football. And yeah, like you said, Ace, uh, the crashing against the pads right in front of you is uh, very exciting. Now, listen, with this book, I was thinking because I was like, wow, you've had six, now seven books, whatever. You're running out of topics, although I, I don't think you'll ever run out of topics. But through lines, when you say everything reminds, first of all, I think everything reminds you of a car, actually, after I was reading this, because you talk about like, uh, you know, the 99 Ford Explorer, America's general, you talk about how you compare it to America. It's generally good. It just needs maintenance, like the 99 Ford Explorer. And there are hundreds of these. But I was wondering if you were going to do, because we watch football every Sunday, you could do one just on sports. And then just as I was wondering that, I'm like, aha, there I am asking you a question. You ask a lot of your friends and, and listeners to ask a question. And I said, my exact question was, hey, you were instrumental in raising the goalposts, although they're not exactly to the uh, height that we'd want them to, the uprights. What other changes would you want? So thank you for that, for putting me in there. And Sheck is in there as well. Yeah, we went out. It, it, frankly, I mean, to be honest, when you write a book, you you know, you sit down and you go like, what am I thinking about? What's on my mind? Here's some stuff I was talking about on the podcast. But when other people ask you questions, it kind of forces you to think about things you didn't necessarily want to think about or you weren't going to think about. And so it makes your answers a little different because it's no longer you answering your own questions. It's sort of you answering other people's questions. And somebody brought up a question in the book. It was kind of intriguing. So Mike Lynch would get all the questions. He'd be yeah. back East and he would tell me, here's the question from this person. Now, now go, what do you think? And some of them were, uh, it would stump me. I'd go, yeah, I never, I never thought about that. Like one is this, once it stands out is somebody said in this day and age of equality in 2022, when men are raising kids and women are going to work and, uh, you know, the Subaru commercials got the lesbian couple. Why is it when you see someone on a motorcycle and it's a couple, the guy is still hands on the handlebars and the woman is still behind him? Mm hmm. Why is that all you see? You don't see the other way in a, in a world where everything shared now. How come you don't see it the other way? And I was thinking to myself, yeah, I've never thought about it. It's a good question. And I don't think I would have asked that myself. Now, what I arrived at was modern day couples, sort of woke couples, more progressive couples would never own a motorcycle. It's too scary. It's too it's huh. too dangerous for a modern day couple, you know, who we know who would ever, you know, who's who we would think is a progressive sort of modern day. The woman would ride up front and the guy would hang on to her who would ever go out and about on a motorcycle. Right. Right. So the only couples that own motorcycles are traditional, like old school couples and they have their traditional seating arrangement gotcha now yeah. I, I i gotta say your conclusion is inaccurate where i'm concerned the reason i don't ride a motorcycle is because mo damashek forbade me from ever getting one for my whole life so wrong and but big your ben. yeah and right big also ben. big ben that lesson yeah we were together that morning when we found out 
about his horrific accident. We were on the air literally when we heard, when we got word. I thought it was some evil prank you were trying to pull on me. Now you mentioned, I, I, by the way, I'm over the moon as a vain guy, Ace, that uh, I get a shout out in, in an Adam Carolla book was, uh, was flattering. Um, and you mentioned that coaches should like, you know, Wade Phillips dressed in homage to his old man, Bum Phillips, dressed like him for the Super Bowl a few years ago. Um, and uh, I appreciated you mentioning me with that. But it reminded me of another idea we had was fencers. Fencing is a borderline sport. People barely watch it if it's on, if it, that's what the Olympics are showing you on your TV once every four years. You barely even care about it. But it would be jazzed up considerably if the participants, if the combatants joined, uh, wore their national armor. You know, like if if Japan had a samurai and uh, the UK had a guy like in head to toe um, armor and so on. What what where are we, a swashbuckler? I guess that would be American. This is the way, right? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that jazz up the sport considerably? It would, and it would also kind of be why, you know, it's why we love UFC. At the beginning of the UFC and combat sports, remember, it was like, could Muhammad Ali beat Bruce Lee? You know, would, right. why would the black belt fare against the college wrestler? You know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, this would be how would the samurai fare against one of the three musketeers? Right. It would be exciting. <laughs> thought about this i don't think it's in the book the reason we hate olympic fencing which does sound like it should be the most exciting mm -hmm. sport if, if you took someone from a different civilization or a different planet and you said would you like to see people run the hundred yards or do the toboggan or do the high jump or do fencing with swords, you'd go, I'd, I'd much rather watch defensing than any other. And it's far more boring than any other sport. The reason it's the it's the length of the sword fight in Olympic fencing is an average of one point two seconds. Maybe it's point seven seconds. They put that stupid canard. They attach a tether to them. They <laughs> right. step back. They take half a step forward. Buzz. Go back to your places. Boom. The average, what, the, what the hell? I want blood. It's over. Yeah. Right. The average sword fight that we're used to watching in a movie is nine and a half minutes. It's all through the castle. You know what I mean? Like at some point <laughs> they're down, the candelabra gets sliced. The Got guy swing comes on the candelabra, on the right? On the chandelier. They go up the stairs. The guy goes backwards up the stairs. It, it, it takes 10 minutes. <laughs> this thing is over before it starts. Maybe the sword fight should be done it, with a motif, like in a castle. Like how they do, you know, they don't do paintball fights in the middle of a field. They, they simulate like right. an urban environment, you know, go hide behind that refrigerator box. And there's pallets over there and there's a shack over there. Like maybe they should be held. Maybe the venue should be a medieval type castle. I like Which this. one would you take, though, Ace? Because I always think that you must have self-esteem issues if you're a swordsman 
and you choose that one long skinny one that doesn't have a blade, it just has the pointy end. Like, why would you, if, you, if you're if you at the sword store and like, well, I gotta fight to the death, who chooses the little pointy one? I want a big cutlass, a big fat sword that's got a blade from, from my fist to the point. You know what I mean? Like, now that's that's a troublemaker. Yeah, but then that weighs more, you know, right. the guy with the foil. And also, what you want to be able to do with a sword check that you're missing out with your with your big blade is you want to grab the tip and flex it over your head and yell, on guard. <laughs> on guard. I got to say, I see already book, guys, number, uh, book stay- number seven and a half is already written uh, just in his last few yeah. minutes. Yeah. Women have ever had this conversation. <laughs> Is there a woman you know or have heard of historically? I think, yeah, I, I could see a woman whispering into her man's ear as she uh, hugs him around the waist on a, on a yeah, Kawasaki somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. It's going on. Uh, and also, Jack and I are going to a fencing tournament in Biloxi, Mississippi on the, <laughs> on the 12th. So um, I do want to get to some other things here uh, in the book. The, the chapter, um, the sports chapter is called Alcoa, I Make the Call. And it's a it's a play on something that that was in the 70s and early 80s. Alcoa, what was it? An aluminum refiner? What, what was yeah. it? it was, yeah, <clears throat> they made aluminum. And so we can all, I'm sure we can join in singing the, the theme music, right? Alcoa presents fantastic finishes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic finishes. That's right. Right. 1978. But but the you make the call was interesting because I think I got it wrong almost every single time. Right. Like Ken Stabler <laughs> fumbles and it goes out of bounds and then comes back in bounds. Is this a live ball? It's like, no, of course it's not. No, it is a lot. Like what? What? It's just rules that we, we never knew. And we'd had thousands of hours of uh, of viewing uh, to back it up. But I do want to ask you. So th- you go over some things here, uh, ways you'd want to change sports. Um, mm-hmm. Touchdown celebrations. Now, uh, we can go hours on this because I was uh, a bore witness to you demonstrating your touchdown celebration, your now famous touchdown celebration to Tom Cruise and his mother right in front of mm-hmm. them. You, you squatted down pretending to read a newspaper and then dropped the football uh, behind your buttocks, uh, simulating mm-hmm. shitting on, on the toilet. And uh, it went over like gangbusters. But you have a whole little <laughs> section here on touchdown celebrations. You want to hit us with that? Yeah. Um, I don't remember what I wrote about touchdown celebrations. I do remember, (laughs) wait, I do remember great umbrage to the entire defense running down to the end zone Yes, and celebrating after, after falling on a, on a football. Right. Well, so in the book, and I believe it's, it's laid out in the book, but I remember very clearly when the Rams were in the Super Bowl against Tennessee and remember one of the Rams defensive linemen came out on the very final drive. And he just said like to Dick Vermeil, like I'm gassed. And the guy, I think Vermeil was, I wasn't Dick Vermeil was, uh, Oh yeah, it was Dick Vermeil. Yeah. He was like, he was like, son, there's 30 seconds left in the game. You know, you don't want to be on the field, but the defensive linemen are big dudes and they get gassed. And you you see it all the time where they're like they start rotating guys in and out and 
Mm-hmm. I think Brady, guys like Brady would take advantage of the defensive line kind of being gassed out for that last drive and, you know, go down and score oftentimes because they couldn't get the pressure on him that they were getting in the first and second quarter when they had a full tank. And my feeling is, is well, then maybe – Twice in the second and third quarter, you shouldn't have sprinted the length of the field to do a photograph in the end zone. You need, you know, these guys are 330 pounds. Like you need every step costs them something. That's a calorie burn. It's something they're not going to have left in the tank for that last drive in the fourth quarter. So I, yes, they took umbrage. And also you fell on a football. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't necessitate a photo op in the in the end zone. Well, and the other thing is, a lot of times, and we kind of root for this, when we know, when we could see the flag on the field, but the celebrators mm. can't, and we're like, oh, we got to watch them do their whole thing. There should be an extra penalty for that. Maybe not in terms of uh, affecting the game, but maybe that guy doesn't get to tweet for a week or something like uh yeah, you were wrong. You, you screwed up. This is an embarrassment. But we see more and more of that, and it's hilarious, right? Hilarious when everyone is running past the flag <laughs> behind them, too, and you know it's all coming back. Long yeah. walk of shame back. And they just burnt their last calorie running to the end zone, and now the offense is a fresh set of downs. Right. Exactly. It is one of the more satisfying moments for civilians watching professional football players knowing like, ha ha, we know something you don't know. In four seconds from now, you're going to be humiliated, multimillionaire, superhuman athlete. Um, Ace, as Sal mentioned, your poop, your poop the football touchdown celebration boosted by Doug Baldwin in the Super Bowl. He gets all the credit. He got the. $50,000 $50,000 fine or whatever. You got no shine off of that, though, from Doug Baldwin. More offended by that or by the lack of celebration for you, pushing for a decade at least to have the goalposts raised on either side so it was clear whether or not a field goal was good or not. Not I, I took it to, literally, took it to then the head of officiating. And I said, could you make the rule change? Can you, when you refer to it, call it the Adam Carolla rule? And he went some variation of like, huh, like that. And that was the end of the conversation. Which, <laughs> are you offended that as a as a, a tastemaker for pro football and beyond that you don't get the, the accolades you should? Well, I was initially pretty upset about the whole Doug Baldwin appropriating my touchdown dance. But but upon deeper reflection, I started thinking side of football and, and I thought more culturally and, and historically. And I, and I realized that there's so many incidents of people like Elvis ripping off the black man and his art, you know what I mean? That I thought, you know, I guess turnabout is fair play. <laughs> I <laughs> guess. Well, you should have offered to pay part of the fine. That would have really been a a gesture. (laughs) I just felt like culturally, maybe we had it coming. And, you know, if you think it's a real drop in the bucket, if you sort of compare all the cultural appropriation a white man has done over the years uh, to the men of color. So, you know, I just kind of took one for the team. And it's something I rarely talk about. Yeah. No. Nope. Uh, another uh, thing you, uh, I think this is again, um, you know, fighting for the men of color. You want to change the color of the football? I do because we we do the instant replay. I mean, so it's 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 fourth down. 
It's mm-hmm. fourth and 18 inches. It's the last drive of the game. You know, they're out of field goal range. They're, they're down by two points, but they can't kick it because they're too far out. They do the scrum and they do the push forward. And then they try to mark the, they try to mark the ball, right? They, like, I feel like a lot of games have come down to that last, like, where are they going to put the ball? Chain gangs coming in, you know, all that. Sure. And hard to find the ball sometimes because the guy's got a big burly forearm and it's essentially the same color as the ball. And mm-hmm. I can't really tell where his hand ends and the ball begins. I think we need to change the color of the ball or I'm trying to think which quarterback uh, for Baltimore had like have like a white sleeve, like a white long sleeve or a red long sleeve or an orange mm-hmm. long sleeve or whatever, whatever it is. But right. we need to be able to find a ball in a in a sea of humanity who's essentially the same tone as the ball. Right. From a color standpoint, it's not sticking out. So I again, say the, the founding fathers, it. when there were no uh, players of color in the twenties, uh, didn't didn't anticipate this, and now it's a real issue. So you're saying different color ball, or maybe brighter tattoos, or something, right? I mean, we got to, go, or we go back to all white players. I, whatever, <laughs> we have to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I say, all right. Uh, okay. Um, trying to, I'm saying we have to fix it. You know, when, no, you're right. When Ed Podolak was toting the rock, I knew where the rock was. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and now, uh, another thing you have in your book, uh, MVP trophy, you're, you're done with the trophies in general. I can't remember what joke I wrote. <laughs> right. uh, I don't want to give the punchline, but you suggest maybe a scepter, right? Oh, a scepter. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Scepter. Everyone's got a trophy case, but no one right. has a scepter case. And yeah. also a trophy you hold up and then you put it down, but a scepter you could wave around. So there you go. You, you could make you could make decrees. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's a lot. You could probably get if you got MV. If you got the MVP trophy, all you can do is put it on the mantle. If you get an MVP scepter, you could probably like get someone in the front office fired by making a decree, or have like a lower level like defensive backs coach fired, Mm -hmm. or you you know what I mean. Like this with the scepter comes great responsibility. I like it. You mentioned fire. I like a torch. I like it to have fire on the literal end of it that you literally uh, I, fire people. I that think I had a too. laser. I think I had a laser on on the scepter so you could point it, you know, across the stadium and, and at anyone you needed removed from the front office. Okay. I like that. I like that idea. And it's slightly less racist than uh, the other couple that we just mentioned. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a renaissance man, Ace, in, in many ways. Um, do you lament, though, You know, we talk about Arena League football. If you had been born 30 years later, you could be playing professional football right now. You know, you could be a long snapper probably in the AFL. Is there any, and then you love your old cars. You love the Paul Newman era uh, auto racing and everything else. Is there, remember that movie, the Woody Allen movie in Paris where he get, goes back to the roaring 20s and it's heaven for him because he's surrounded by F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway and otherwise. Is there an era that Adam Carolla would rather have been born into? Is there a sweet spot for you that isn't 2022 that you think you would have thrived 
more than you do currently for sports or just just any, in any? life in uh, life in life, you know? in life well you know i have a a, a simple uh, protocol or message which i tell my um, probably a day. Oh, not a daily basis, but probably a weekly basis. The best time to be an American, an adult, is pre-AIDS, mid-Coke. I've said it a million times. <laughs> Coke was Coke was good for you in 1978. Right. I mean, Studio 54, dancing the night away. Do a little booger sugar. You can drink all you want without getting sloppy drunk. And AIDS wasn't invented yet. And you were 23 <laughs> and living in New York City. Disco everywhere. Cocaine yeah. everywhere. Spandex. Donna Summers. Village people. <laughs> and no AIDS? Get laid in that era. There's something wrong with you. So yeah, and the music was great. The music was better than probably the '60s, and there wasn't hair under the armpits of, uh, and people were bathing more by the mid to late '70s. Well, Adam than they doesn't were like a decade that. before. Yeah, that's a negative for him. <laughs> people bathing more. Yeah. No, I uh, want my partners <laughs> to be clean. So oh, it's just okay. me. Right. Yeah, it was. A, it was a great time. It was a great time. We weren't singing. You know, we're, we're the, the Vietnam War. And, you know, the Tet Offensive and Nixon were in our rearview mirrors. It was all just Donna Summer and disco and partying and cocaine and uh, no condoms. You, you know, know so. you know what you talk about? <laughs> and uh, well, I hope Sonny appreciates this. I hope I don't know what oh, he's going to yeah. do, do with this information. <laughs> but uh, I, I think uh, during the time period you're talking about, you also reflect in the book about uh, Porta John poetry and how it doesn't exist anymore. Or just um, in general in bathrooms. But do you want to elaborate on that? I got a kick out of that section. Yeah. When I was younger on construction sites, every porta potty, porta sand, I guess one is sort of an East Coast, one's a West Coast thing. But um, they had a lot of insightful, uh, you know, writings on the inside and outside. And it was mm -hmm. a form of entertainment. My, my uh, porta potty on, construction sites on the outside on the outside it said uh, mexican space shuttle and on the inside where the where the seat liners was it, it had an arrow and it said free cowboy hats and i i felt i felt i was i was amused and delighted and it helped me get through a very long day right of working and and now there's just nothing anymore yeah. everyone is you know first off everyone's on the pot staring at their phone nobody's reading you know for a good time call remember yeah remember happy days when Fonzie would go into his office his and office. Uh, you know there'd be all those Kilroy was here and you know mm -hmm. girls girls names with numbers that you know you know that started with five 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 were all, all right. up uh, on there it's like it was something to do and, yeah, that was Tinder. That was Tinder back then. Was you had to go to you had to go to the shitter and, and look around, <laughs> find a phone number. It's, just, it's gone. And again, much like the uh, pre AIDS and the mid Coke, it's it, it, my son will never enjoy in America <laughs> where there's things written on the porta potty. You know, that's true. You really so have to be either hard up or industrious, as I think about that. If you were a fella looking for a lady, like taking down numbers off the off of Fonzie's wall in the toilet, and like <laughs> I'm going to give her a try. I, th she see this Jeanette seems nice based on what's written about here next to the commode. 
I wonder if that wonder what the hit rate was on that calling those numbers and uh, if the lay, if you wound up laying down with that woman that you telephone. Yeah. 100%. So my uh, my my dad met my mom that way. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't in Fonzie's, you know, obviously no, it wasn't no. in, you know, uh, that was Big Scott's Al. Thing. Yeah, a, a Arnold's place, but <laughs> it was another diner. It wasn't even in Milwaukee, but it was, it was, oh no, it was, in, yeah, it was in Wisconsin, but not yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Right, right, right. Some part of Wisconsin. Uh, another thing that uh, I, uh, I liked here, you talk about, oh, uh, and this is nice summer advice here, peeing in the pool. Now you take peeing, urinating to a different level. You'll do it in the sink. Um, you get mad at people who challenge you on this, but I'm with you with the, in the pool, break it down numbers wise, because you had it per gallon. And I was like, Oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Everybody should be peeing in the pool. Uh, yeah, they should be. Uh, sadly they don't. I think one <laughs> of the tips, it's weird that we always think young guys are peeing in the pool, but we never think women pee in the pool. Women mm. have smaller bladders and probably would tend to be able to hold their urine less than men. And, mm. and there's always that big, long line outside the women's room. Right. When you go to the sporting event or the concert, the line's long. If there was right. a pool there, they'd all be peeing in it. But yet we assume women don't pee in the pool like we assume women don't take a dump or fart up the place or do any of the stuff they have to do biologically. So a women pee in the pool. B my tip is if you are, let's just say big pool, the neighbor's house and you know, your kids spend the summer going to the house and going in the pool or, or anytime you're in a pool into the pool and then get out of the pool about 10 minutes later, put the towel on and say to whoever owns the house, where's the bathroom? Is there, is there a bathroom like in a hot, you know, in a pool house or something, or should I dry myself off and go inside the house? You will establish yourself immediately as a person who doesn't pee in the pool, <laughs> right? Because you went in the pool, even yeah. if you don't have to pee. Go in the pool for 10 minutes and then get out of the pool and say to whoever owns the pool, I, I got to use the bathroom. Can I go in if I put the towel around me? Right. You will be off the list of people who pee in the pool. Right. No longer Smart. be a potential pool peer. And then you're free to pool, pee in the pool for the rest of the summer. Gotcha. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I have actually, true story, I've actually got in the pool for about 10 minutes, got out of the pool, said to the owner, Where's the bathroom? Can I go use it? They say it's in the hall. I go, fine. Went into the bathroom, counted to 10 Mississippi, never urinated, went back outside, went the pool and peed the pool. It's <laughs> a long way to go. Wow. Yeah, but That's you have smart. to establish it. You have to do it, Sal. <laughs> well, you, the real you have trick a- <laughs> is, though, is that you, you, you did 10 seconds and out because that could work against you. If you were in there too long and they thought that you went number two, now... That's a weird move to go to somebody else's house and move your bowels and then get back in the pool. I would consider you filthy. Right. Yeah. Sheck makes a valid point. You have to stay in there a short period of time, a P length period of time. And when you leave, leave the door wide open without a Yes. <laughs> All right. So you shit in the pool also. Uh, okay. I'm trying to figure out. But you also had, I think, unless I read it wrong, you said sometimes you get out of the pool and then pee immediately, like uh, on yourself. 
Because I do, like, people oh, get that's mad. A, yeah, that's yeah. a move. You can do that move. Yeah. People get pee mad if you, pee in the, if you pee in the ocean. Like, it's like, what are you talking? Like, I'll pee on my way down to the ocean. Like, I don't care. Yes. I know this is all, this is all getting washed away. But you go over the, the actual, the metrics of it, how much chlorine per, right? Like, that, all that's getting Yeah, the average, the average pool has, you know, 50,000 gallons. And the average mm-hmm. person pees, you know, a tumbler cup of 11 ounces of <laughs> urine it's it completely lost in in a sea literally of, of chlorinated water so right yeah i've actually i will actually this may be embarrassing but i've actually at night went outside and urinated in my own pool without <laughs> climbing into the pool from outside of the pool what the one end it's a power move, Shaq. Oh, Shaq, you own a do you own a pool? Of course I don't. No. Yeah. I wouldn't expect you to understand. <laughs> but who are you establishing dominance over? Like just anybody watching, the neighbors, the, like your son, or like like who who's who are you showing your balls to? It's a fair question. That's a fair question. When you talk to a woman who buys lingerie and you say to her, Who are you buying this for? You know what she says? Myself. Okay. Right. So I feel sexy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so same answer. So, yeah, that's why so you the, pee the, in the pool the, uh, at night. The dry dock, the dry dock pool piss, it makes you feel it, it makes you feel sexy. Sexy. Yeah. Sexy. God. Yeah. I, or, yeah. I, well, first off, I'm not a weirdo. I don't no. do it in lingerie. <laughs> you guys are mixing your metaphors here. Yeah, all right. What time I'm of day sorry. was it? Was it middle of the night or midday? Like sun top of the sky. You gotta, you gotta wait for the street lights to come on. This is not a, this is not a daylight <laughs> behavior. I, I defy the law myself. I can't take you to task for making water where you choose to. Because when I have to go, if I'm in the car and I like, I got 25 minutes. I'm <clears> not gonna make it home. I've been known to just pull over right in the middle of the street of a residential neighborhood, right there, open the car door and make my water for oh, yeah. all the Who world cares? to see. I don't care. Yeah. I, I do that. Ace, though, used to take it. Sal and I were the direct, um, I don't want to say victims. Maybe we were inspired by it. I don't know. Ace used to start every day at the man show. We'd be up in our office, and um, the windowsill was, was right there, and it would catch the morning light for some reason. That's where the morning light would come through. Ace would come upstairs faithfully, make his water. There was a toilet, by the way about uh, 15 steps down the hall, but he would take the empty coffee pot and he would make his water right in, into that. And the golden this. hue, the, the golden hue of his issue set on the windowsill with the morning light coming through. It was oh, just gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. It really was also this. disgusting though, but a power move ultimately. True. Yeah. Sexy. Well, that, that was in protest <laughs> to Sal and whomever destroying the bathroom upstairs. That's right. I forgot to do. I did. I would back, purposely right? pee all. It became like a rainforest. Somehow it was dripping from the ceiling. But Adam, you famously, my cousin Jimmy points out that you peed in his kid's sandbox. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, Adam, my my children play in this. What are you doing? <laughs> well. You know, I mean, you know, I have I'm, I'm, I'm more feline than I am canine, you know, right. and I've always kind of been wired that way for the sort of the litter box. It was really uh-huh. what I looked at it as a sort of full size outdoor litter box. 
Yeah, you know, I that's when I discovered uh, Jimmy was uptight because I parked <laughs> on his lawn. <laughs> I didn't know he's so tightly wound. You know, right. he's more easy. I, I I came over to his house. I parked on his lawn and I peed this kid's uh, sandbox. Mm. And he was like, he was all bent out of shape. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> maybe like, the sandbox is pill. like the pool. Maybe the sandbox is like the pool. Yeah, he didn't he have a pool. You were trying to establish dominance in his house. Right. Yeah, you know, he had you a kinda, pool. tried to alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> it really all comes together. Uh, Adam, we, we were talking about this last week. I'm curious of your thoughts about the Mount Rushmore of comedians slash athletes. Now, Mount Rushmore is for, the, despite the fact that Magic Johnson made a Mount Rushmore of something, you know, he listed like six or seven names, but... Four names, best comedian slash athlete. I think two are gimmies with Ali and Barkley. I would add Shaq in there. Let me hear your thoughts on this. Well, you know, I can't tell there's there's a Bob Euchre, you know, yeah. like that, that there's those guys, there's Art Donovan. Right. We brought him up. Yogi Berra, right. Yeah, Peyton Manning. Was- there was Jay Johnson, I think. Jay Johnstone, was, right. Johnstone. Passed away about 10 right. years ago, yeah. Right. Yeah, he was kind of the, you know, clown prince of baseball, sort of took over, was doing it with the, when Euchre was doing it. I mean, you have the characters. You have your Ted Hendricks types, but, I, you know, the sort of Raider, Misfitty kind of mm-hmm. guys. But I don't know if they were big talkers. They were just kind of, Maybe, um, maybe kind of a John Riggins type who was kind of a freewheeling, kind of a crazy All guy right. with the personality. I mean, I'm trying to get off but the beaten path. I, I don't Ollie's think- a given, right? Uh, Shaq obviously should be up there, I thought. Barkley's great. Yeah, you talk about it's funny though, in the 70s, there were characters, but there were also guys considered funny if they could blow a bubble uh, bigger than a softball, like a Kurt Bavakwa. Like, look how big this bubble is. He's hilarious, right? So I, I don't know how to fill the fourth slot there. Who'd we? Peyton Manning. Fats Holmes once thought <clears throat> he was being followed. A police helicopter was flying and he thought it was aliens. And so he shot a gun through the roof of his car to try and shoot the aliens. That's that funny. Were, were actually policemen. So that's kind of zany. I like that. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I might just go old school with Art Donovan. I mean, the guy all was right. a character. He do he would show up on Letterman all the time. Yeah. Remember, right? He, he was he always he was kind of a Bob Euchre kind of before there was a Bob. He tell a lot of stories about him getting being fat and you know getting cut and you know that that kind of that kind of stuff. He would show up on those old NFL. Uh, films, things, it's like Santa yeah. Claus and stuff like that. I, I, I think we go old school and go with a uh, Art Donovan. Okay. It's yeah. funny you say that. I, I just was thinking because he had the flat top like Johnny U. Right. And then I realized everybody, you know, uh, Jim Taylor, the Packers running. Everybody had a flat top. You would have suffered, Ace, if you would have been born in that era. What if everybody was just standard that a fella had to have a flat top? You wouldn't have looked very good with that. No. No, I would have been very, I could have kind of maybe kid and played it or something. I'm trying <laughs> to think who had that sort of fro flat top, but I uh, I could have maybe pulled that off, but no, it wouldn't have worked. 
Speaking of heads, Ace, we were talking about the new helmets. Everybody in the NFL now has black helmets. This is the new thing. I have almost all these teams. What's the best? I know Ace and I could do about seven hours and probably already have on face masks and what makes for a cool football face mask. Mm-hmm. Helmet, though, what's the best helmet in uh, in football these days, Ace? Uh, well, I, I don't, as much as I love my Rams, I don't really like helmets that have the part of the animal on it. Like, I don't like the Bengals helmet at all. The, the Bengals. I don't like that one either. Is, is now they changed it up, right? It's like all white and yeah. leopard spots. I don't know what Rams they do. are okay. I, yeah. I, you, well, I don't know about the Nouveau because I don't like the satin finish. I like the old shiny ones. To me, Minnesota Vikings always had. Hmm. Always had a cool helmet. They got the horn. They got the purple. That's strong. Um, you were on the Vikings, though. That you're you're biased because you played in your uh, in your <laughs> youth, your youth football. No, no, guys. I was on. I was on the Falcons and the Trojans. Ah. The uh, the Vikings were the uh, Burbank Vikings, I think. But but isn't the horn part of the Viking? The animal, the Viking. Viking's an it's, animal, it's right? Animal? It's not an animal, you <laughs> weirdo. Come on. Come no, on. you're right. No, Sal <laughs> Sal is basically saying I'm being inconsistent That's and right. he's half right. Like okay, but the Vi- I do like the Viking horn because it's on the Viking helmet, but it's not on the lamb or the sheep or the goat or whatever it came off of, <laughs> you know. No, Sal's just doing he's being too cool for school pain in the ass. Like, oh, who cares about uniforms? That's his big thing. Even though he obsessively watches sports every day uh, of his the, life, the, the, the he star, has no opinion on you. Star, you stare the at the TV. You stare at the TV day after day, year after year, and you have no opinion on the color schemes of what you like and don't like. I'm like, I don't care. Why would I care about that? No, because I you're just, looking at it. That's why. The cowboy star is the best. We can move on. What does this all, no the, uh, the wor- Here's a hypothetical. What's a worse, I'll ask Shaq, a worse Bengals helmet? Bangler or the one now that looks like uh, the, the, the stripes on a, on a tiger? I mean, listen, it's subjective, but obviously I am the tastemaker when it comes to uniform, so I will assert my privilege um, here. I'm okay with the Rams horns. I think they look good. I think the Eagles wings, they look good. The Bengals, they're trying a little bit too hard. And, you know, like that old deodorant commercial said, never let them see you sweat. I can feel the toil. I can feel the effort to try to be cool. We have tiger stripes. Eh, what was cool was just the orange hat that just said in the most simple block letters possible, Bengals. No. That that was good. What? No, that was not good. You only like that was that a nice good. helmet. That was nice and simple. Like it because the Steelers would beat the crap out of the Bengals right. every single year, yes. and that's the Bengals you remember. Interesting. Well, what I like is well, the best helmet is the Steelers because it is an ongoing middle finger to to modern television and otherwise. They love to do that. Like tonight. The Patriots, the Steelers, and the two helmets in profile collide, and the Steelers is just a black side. They're not like, we're only going to put the logo on the one side. Like, yeah, but it won't look good for TV. And they're like, too bad, TV. I love that. I think that's a uh, that's a great power. <laughs> Talk about a power move. The Pittsburgh Steelers are pulling one forever. That's on the pissing NFL. in the sandbox, if you ask me. That's I right. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, Ace, it's great having the book. Uh, I've read, like I said, it's a great Sheck, You read it too. You didn't mean to read it. You read it by axe. I'm like, Hey, we're in this. I we really love this. It, we're having them really on. Funny. Oh, thank you. It means <clears> a lot. Everything reminds me of something advice answers, but no apologies. It's out right now. Uh, I have we one are more 40- questions. So related oh, God, to yeah. the book. Yeah. Cause I don't know if you guys got to this earlier, but it's not about football. You have a, a very interesting list of things that you want to do before you die. When you answered this in like, would you rather know you were going to die in, um, I think it was in two days or, or just die peacefully in your sleep. In two two years. years. Yeah. Right. Or, or two, sorry, two, two years, two years, right. two, years yeah. two years, sorry, two years. But uh, some of them were just like, I just, why haven't you just cut it? Like, can you cut yourself right now to see if you're not a robot and just take that off the list? And how far would you need to go to see to prove yourself that you're not a robot? Yeah, you I have imagine- bucket list events. Yeah, that, that's a good question. <laughs> Carrying the knife underwater in your teeth and all things like that. I just, yeah. I just feel like some of these don't have to be bucket lists. Some of these you could attain, like, as yeah, you're, you know, you, you could knock out on the way, like, Getting kicked out of a casino for winning. You don't have that could that could happen, you know. You just gotta win. Yeah. Well, the thing about the list, because it's important, is for instance, have a cape removed from me while I'm on stage. Right. It has to be done in, in earnest. I can't build a fake stage and put a sheet around me and get my son to come out and take sure. it off. It it uh-huh. has to be in front of a crowd, it has to have it, it has to have gravitas to it. You know, when I, I can't just put a butter knife in my mouth and jump into my swimming pool, I have to jump off of a bridge, you know, into the Amazon, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's harder to pull these things off than you think. In terms of cutting my arm and seeing if I'm a robot, I can't just prick myself with a fork. I got to cut in deep into the form and flap the skin back and see if there's any mechanical you know, pulleys or wires in there. And you just, you're oversimplifying it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Well, also too, I I got one more. You said step down as an elected official due to scandal. Uh, In the last, like, I don't know, 20 months or so, what kind of scandal do you think you could cook up where you'd actually have to step down? Hmm. Because I think now you just tweet and be like, F you guys, I don't care. And then you could just, Probably you'll get reelected just off GP. Right. All of the question, what kind of scandal could I cook up? I can't cook it up. Fair, Cooking fair up enough. the scandals fair like enough. jumping in the swimming pool with the butter right. knife. I, that's you're, you're going to offend the gods here. <laughs> have to be put into that position organically. Otherwise, I, do I have to say I, I, I have to say it again? Do I really have to explain? No, those? no, I got it. I appreciate you clearing it up for me, though. Come on, because there was just some that I, but I get it now. <laughs> going good it was oh i'm now. sorry so we went too far we did like like the Bengals. We really, are you, we you took it too far yeah uh adam <laughs> i'm excited i know you are i think we're 45 days till kickoff football oh i know it's i am best. i am so primed <laughs> i i yeah. i tell people all the damn time. Cause I, you know, honestly, like people say to me, Oh, you're working all the time. You're always traveling. You know, you're doing all these shows or writing the books or whatever. And they go, they go, what's your idea of fun. And I'm always like Sunday football season starts to cool off outside. The guys show up 
crack the beer, watch the game, bust the chops. Like, I cannot wait. I, I know you love it. And in a way, you might love it more than I do, because oftentimes you'll come in on a, a Sunday around 11 o'clock. A lot of us are already uh, watching the games and you're like, yeah, I woke up at 3 a.m. in uh, in Des Moines. Uh, and then you're still there. It's like, yeah, the, the, the move would be just to lay in bed and watch the games or no, don't watch them. But yeah, you like it that much. And you're like, you're with the fellas. And are you ready for another year of Brad or, or not yet? Emotionally. We're, we may be moving venues, Ooh. Sal, into a very high end state of the art football watching facility. So Wow. You know, Brad. SoFi I think, Stadium? Where? <laughs> I think what we can do is there's a place for Brad, but okay. I, there's a sort of crate <laughs> training that I want to work on that I, I think I think I think there's a way to make everyone happy. Okay. Without without getting yeah. grape soda everywhere. I was just gonna say, do the floors get sticky in the state of the art facility? Because uh I don't know if yes. there's any way to combat that. Uh anyway. All right, Ace, thanks so much. Terrific. Read the book. Go out and get it. It's available now. Like I said, everything reminds me of something. Advice answers, but no apologies. Out right now. Adam Carolla, everybody. Thanks, Ace. Thanks, guys. Give him the scepter for best book of the year. Yeah, really good stuff. All right. Just as long as it's not predetermined. It's got to be natural. That's right. It's got to flow. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll uh, give our play of the day. All right, fellas. Uh, baseball. By the way, Shaq, we got. I feel like we another 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 uh, scepter to the heart there <laughs> off of the Corolla stuff. Daniel Vogelbach is a Met now, not a Pirate. I know you've had a lot of guys. The Garrett Coles. You've had uh, who who has abandoned this team? Who's left? Uh, Snell. You've had a ton of um, players who have gone on to greatness. This one's got to hurt. Daniel Vogelback. Oh, this is yeah. This is this uh, is certainly though. Yeah, we've had we've had so many. Yeah, we gave you Chris Benson a lot. Yeah. He was he was one on the on the spectrum of former Pirates pitchers of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. He's one of the least accomplished. Generally, if you take off the formerly flat top Pirates hat and put on a different major league one, you're destined to compete for the Cy Young and right. probably pitch in high leverage moments in, in October. Garrett Cole, uh, Jason Schmidt was great. Um, uh, Chaz, um, uh, uh, Chaz Morton. Jason Bay goes was on. It, right? Yeah. Ja- but th- this Tyone, is different. That may- Bond, maybe the obviously. maybe the stats aren't as impressive. Although he had like twelve homers, thirty four RBIs. Uh, the fact, the man of this statue, you're, you're losing like a, a real character here, and the Mets got him. And I know Martin, you're a fan too. Oh, I completely agree. I'm, the yeah. only thing I don't like about Daniel Vogelbach is that he goes Daniel. Shouldn't he be like Big Danny Vog- Vogelbach or yeah, yeah, yeah. something more like more mythical name? Like he's a fat Danny, right. not a Daniel. Yeah, he's Dan. trying to hide something. He you should know? be damned. I was just going to say, I don't care what his stats are. I know that anytime <laughs> I bet against the Pirates, he made sure they covered or won that game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I love Pirates, it. He had a long single to the gap in the right fielder because he's so fat. The right fielder took all the time in the world uh, chasing it down. He's like, this could go to the fence <laughs> and beyond. And this is still going to be a single. He broke up a no hitter yesterday. The Mets won. But let's give our plays of the day. I'm he does look, the- by the way, he does yeah. look like Babe Ruth when you see those old black and whites of oh, him yeah. where they can't get the time 
quite right. Like it's a little too sped up when you see yep. when you see Fat right. Danny Vogelbach running the bases, <laughs> rounding third on his way to home. It doesn't look like it's set at the right speed. Like it's a, he's not moving that fast, but his arms are pumping for all they're worth. <laughs> right, he got T Rex arms. It's like arms. the Babe in twenty eight. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. Uh, Mets won. They're a game and a half up now. I was worried they're going to blow the whole lead over the Braves in just one week after the All-Star game. Um, Giants over Diamondbacks tonight. Tyler Gilbert, that's who they're facing for the Snakes. 0-3, 534 ERA. Jacob Junis, 4-1, 306 ERA. They got swept by the Dodgers. Uh, not Just not a good matchup for the Giants. And now they go to uh, Arizona, where I've uh, just come from. They have to make their move. Minus 136, I think it's a good bet. Take the Giants. Martin, what's your play of the day? I'm doing a two-team parlay here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and parlay. Just going with my basic strategy of betting on good baseball teams when they play Mm -hmm. bad baseball teams. Parlay the Houston Astros and the aforementioned Los Angeles Dollars. Dodgers, Dodgers, and make some dollars. dollars is right. Hopefully. Yeah, I think you're right. You might as well call them that. I mean, most of their wins, you just take them on the run line, they win. Like, they're not, even games that they're losing in the eighth inning, they end up winning by three runs. It's insane uh, how they uh, pull team. it off. Yep. All right, check. What do you like? I'm going to stick with the Dodgers there. Two um, not great pitchers going, the Nats and the Dodgers. Dodgers on a roll. You know, the mm-hmm. the Yanks have cooled off a little bit. They're not. They're no longer playing 700 ball. The Dodgers are creeping up ever closer to it. I think they make a lot of hay against the Nationals. And by the way, Washington probably gets to Gonsolin a little bit. This adds up to over eight and a half. The juice just ain't worth it to bet on the Dodgers even laying a yeah. run and a half. If you can get I, it at two and a half, then I start to think about it i did bet uh, at the all-star break dodgers to have the best record in baseball over the yankees i think it's almost tied now um the, the yankees had a three-game lead it was plus 160 but the yankees in that super division where the orioles in last place were playing 500 dodgers have a little bit more of a breakdown the stretch show and they just freaking win every night it seems it's crazy how many do you think what, what's your guess um well, maybe we should play closest to the the pin here how many home runs like we all throw in what 20 bucks 100 bucks right. whatever you want i like it Let's, i don't even care what it is i'll do it yeah what is it yeah aaron judge home run total uh he's at what 37 does he have now? Now. 37 37 i mean there's a real chance that he gets into the 60s here so and yeah, I, so that's the we big talked thing, about right? it on minus three a month ago with hench um, it's weird that it doesn't matter. Of all the records in sports, you know, people love that that mm-hmm. barroom thing. Of like, what record will never be broken? There was a time when people thought, well, 60s. So oh, who's ever going to hit 61? Who's ever going to hit 62? And then, of course, um, Sosa McGuire, yeah. Bond. Will, will he break the Yankee record, you're saying, of 61? Oh, you, right. want, us to, will you he want us to pick a number. Right, okay. The non-steroid, right. yeah, the non-steroid number. Will he get to 62? Yeah. Um, no. I say 57, only 20 more. Martin? I say he goes 59. However, I also say I take $3 off of whatever the initial entry fee is for this because Dave is the one who suggested it. <laughs> Check. All right, that's him. fair. That's fair. And I, yeah. I don't like it. And I like that I am in the position to now trump Marty here and leave him only. Yeah, now you're going to price it right on. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna go sixty. I don't I don't love that. I was gonna go fifty eight, but then Marty could have covered me up at fifty nine. So I'll All go right. sixty here. Back. There you go. All right, uh, we got that stuff. Spaghetti. I know the Yankees honey. fan is going under that. Spaghetti. He thinks go ahead. Is gonna get hurt. Spaghetti. You might as well hear everybody's. Let's do it real quick. Spaghetti. How many? 
I mean, I love to see him go the over the 60 mark, but I just still feel like, I mean, I know it's his contract year, but Aaron judge is a guy who notoriously does get slightly injured in this game. So that's my one hesitation when going over 60, but I mean, look, he, he, he's been crushing the ball lately. I'm going to say he's going to hit over 60. He seems to be healthy. He wants to get paid big bucks. So I, I like over over sixty. What's the I'm not number? Sure the you can't just say uh, over sixty. Yeah, what's you gotta the give a number. Well, if he's if he's over sixty, he's gonna be barely over sixty. He I'll say sixty. Uh, let's go sixty-two. Mikey Meatballs okay, birthday. Going to go sixty-four. Sixty-four. Wow. Yep. Right, you guys are in two for the twenty dollars. We have to write. That's history, down. man. That's a, if that, if he imagine if he did that, that would be quite a story. I mean, you know, people we talk asterisk, steroid air, and everything else. If if Aaron Judge ends the year with the most home runs non steroid, um, that's you know that'll be. I, I'm surprised nobody seems to care about that that uh, single season home run mark. Yeah, Joel. What do you think? You could go 65, uh, 65 and be a hero if you really, if you really pick this it up. Is, this is tough because I know how desperately you probably don't want him to cross the 60 barrier because you have Otani MVP. And he is so. now, Pat, odds-wise, he's now favored over Otani because he had the better weekend. Otani got uh, beat up a little bit on the mound, even though he had a home run. And Judge is at probably, what, three more this weekend? So what are you and it's say, enough Joe? of giving him an MVP. You can't keep giving a guys MVPs when their team suck that bad. Man. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true so, at all. So Dave That's has valuable. It's, Dave it's has valuable value. to the league. Value to the league. Value oh, to the sorry. league. Value to the league. Why is it not value to the league? Why you're making it value to the team? His his efforts <laughs> and his talents make him more valuable to the league than Aaron Judge. And by the way, what's I the gave Angels' up record? On this argument in the NBA. Well, what of that. course? What's the Angels' record with Aaron Judge on the on the? Squat. What are, we, what are we talking about here? Go ahead, Jeff. I am, listen, mind. I'm not arguing against Otani getting it last year. It sounds like you are. Year, but you, <laughs> I, I'm not. But You, you give I mean, the I, apple the fruit of the year every single year, and it doesn't do shit. Right what are you I talking do. about? Guess what? I've had a new batch of Envies. In July, they're oh delicious. My God. What the hell is an Envy apple? It has no business being delicious in the, in the dead of summer. It should be all watermelon and white peaches. But Envy can't be denied. What a and, surprise. What a surprise. Joel, what's it's the number? Good. Wait, Dave has 60? Yes. Dave has, uh, yes, Dave yeah, has 60. I have 60. Yeah. yeah. And can I have 61? Yeah, you can. Yeah, 61 is not taken, so they would tie Maris right there. All right, 61. Someone keep track of this. This is 20 bucks each. Joel, 61. Sal's in the best spot. I really Sal's am. in the I best mean, spot he, to win now. He tears a groin. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape here. There you go. MVP Otani. Uh, all right, there you go. That'll do it. Another episode, extra points. Thank you, uh, Adam Carolla. Thank you, Spaghetti and Mikey Meatballs, 24 years old. Uh, Sheck, Martin, Babyface, Joel Solomon. Just a reminder out there, you may feel like underdogs, but please remember, you're all my favorites. 